Welcome to the ABB Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Murphy, and I'm excited to bring you a special edition episode on energy efficiency, the invisible climate solution. This media roundtable event will be moderated by Keith Larson with Putnam Media, and our panelists will be Morton Wyrod, president of ABB Motion Business, Prakash Rao, PhD research scientist at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, and Jesse Henson, president of ABB NEMA Motors Division. So without further ado, here is the roundtable discussion on energy efficiency, the invisible climate solution. efficiency to reduce both energy consumption and greenhouse gas emissions is often underappreciated. But a recent report by the American Council for Energy Efficiency estimates that the U.S. could cut both in half by 2050, not with sexy, relatively untested technologies like carbon capture or hydrogen-fueled airplanes, but by doing more of the things we already know how to do. And as the three speakers joining us today will attest, building and deploying more efficient electric motor systems across the industrial and commercial landscape is achievable, cost-effective, and among the biggest potential contributors to the mitigation of climate change. Hi, my, my name is Keith Larson, Vice President of Putman Media, and I'm on be, here on, on behalf of ABB, welcome to today's media roundtable entitled Energy Efficiency, the Invisible Climate Solution. I'll be your moderator for today's discussion. First, by way of introduction, ABB has long been a leader in energy efficient solutions for both the industrial and commercial sectors. But a couple of years ago, as the company reviewed its own sustainability goals and targets, it became clear that energy efficiency needed to be front and center, both for the company and for society, in order to make our sustainability goals a reality. That led ABB's motion business, which is focused on high efficiency motors and drives, to create the energy efficiency movement to build awareness around energy efficiency opportunities. Its mission is to encourage innovation across all stakeholder groups and to provide a way for all of us, members of the media included, to act together to immediately decrease our impact on climate change. We have with us three distinguished individuals to explain more about this energy efficiency opportunity. 
Leading off will be Morton Weirat, president of ABB Motion, who will speak to the energy efficiency's key role in the sustainable future. Welcome, Morton. Uh, thanks for joining us. Probably turning his mic on now. Yep. Thanks a lot, Keith. Welcome. We also have um, Prakash Rao, PhD research scientist at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory and co-author of the January 20, 2021 report on the USDOE Motor System Market Assessment, findings on the installed base. Welcome, Prakash. Real pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for having me, Keith. Then we'll hear from Jesse Henson, president of ABB's NEMA Motors Division, who will speak to energy efficiency as today's solution for a sustainable environment tomorrow. Welcome as well, Jesse, and really great to see you again. Thank you, Keith. Excited to be here. And we, after all three of our presenters have, have completed their presentations, we'll open things up uh, for a Q&A. Um, but before we get started, a few more housekeeping items. First, no need to wait till the end of the presentation to submit your questions. Um, through the through the chat here at Zoom, just uh, find me to, to directly chat, um, Keith Larson. Be a one-on-one -on -one chat as, as questions come to you and indicating if the question is for a particular speaker or to the, the, the panel, we'll have everybody up for the Q&A. Um, second, for your live tweets or follow-up social media posts, please use the hashtag EER or EE Roundtable for Energy Efficiency Roundtable. So EE Roundtable is the hashtag. Third, ABB is encouraging one-on-one -on -one interviews with their speakers after today's presentation. So to arrange one, please send a direct chat to Tracy Long, who many of you I'm sure have met. Say hi, Tracy. Hi, team. Good to see everybody. Thanks for being here today. And please include which of our speakers uh, you'd like some one-on-one -on -one time with when you send that note to, uh, to Tracy. So finally, um, I'd suggest to stay muted throughout the presentation um, and, and uh, probably turn off your cameras just to not distract our speakers. Um, and now we'll go back to the main event and Martin Weirat, President of AV Motion. The floor is yours, Martin. Go ahead. <clears throat> Thanks a lot, uh, Keith, and a warm welcome also from my side, joining from Missouri in Switzerland this uh, afternoon here. But uh, and it's great to have you with us discussing what for us is a very important topic and where the passion is high in our ABB team around energy efficiency and the use of high energy efficient motors and drive systems across industries, transportation and infrastructure. So if we can go to the slide presentation as well. I think we are, uh, I want to start with a short introduction if we take the next slide about where we are today as a society. I mean, they, we are, when you're looking at both our global population and the urbanization trend that is happening around the world today, we will soon be 10 billion people on this planet and the demand for energy will increase significantly also in the coming years. It is, has been doubling uh, in the last 20 years and it will grow another more than 50% for the next 20 years. So that is kind of the size of uh, energy consumption, how we see that that is increasing over time. And what is interesting for us um, and what we really want to discuss is today is also how the world is going electric. Uh, the number of motors in the world will double from today until 2040. For, for us, a great opportunity, and I think also for the world, 
great when it comes when we're moving to electric because the future of transportation, the future of living is very much electric. But that also will have some big challenges when it comes to efficiency of our, of our power systems and also how we operate in industry and how we use transportation in the future. Because if we are going to end up, we want to uh, meet all the science-based targets of the Paris Agreement and we want to have a more sustainable future, then, then the energy consumption cannot double in the same way as we see as the as the number of motors will do. So the need for high efficiency motors and the use of variable speed drives is a must for the future. So if we go to the next slide, you will see a fact that you probably are not aware of, but that is that 45% of the world's electricity is already today used to power electric motors in building and industrial applications. That means everything that moves, that be to take that in a building, it could be the elevator, the escalators, where it's easy to, where you even see the movement. But it's also about all the air that flows in the building, those air conditioning units or heaters you may have up on the roof. Or the water pumps down in the basement that is giving cold and hot water throughout the building. All those pumps that, that moves water, all those fans that moves air are all operated by electric motors. Uh, these are just one example, but go into a, in the industry, into a factory, a manufacturing plant. You will find hundreds, or in many of the large factories, thousands or even more than 10,000 motors. Everything that moves in an industrial floor is run by electric motors today. And this kind of trend will just continue as we are replacing combustion engine, but also oils and hydraulics, and we are replacing that with electric control. What we also see is that majority of what is used today and still being installed in factories in and in infrastructure is still with old technologies. We are having the uh, definitions when it comes to the what we call the national standards of efficiency levels. The where IE1 is the lowest standard Today, most motors deliver is what we call IE2, the next or three, but also standards of four or even now five and further on, where Jesse will present also what we are, are offering in this space. We have new technology available today, and it's a great business case as well to start using it. But we want, with the energy efficiency movement and the focus on this topic, to give more information to industries, but also to regulators and, and governments around the world that we, we highlight this opportunity we have for energy savings. So we're not just spending more, but we're also looking at what we're doing today to how we can, what we can reduce. And if you're looking at the next slide, I want to show you something you may not be aware about. It's the variable speed drives, which is what I call the energy efficiency in a box is a power semiconductor device. And how to explain it is what controls the speed and the torque of a motor. And it is as like driving your car to in the past, I mean, in the past we were running without variable speed drives. And that means the motors were already running at full speed and we were controlling the, the speed by, by valves. Today, 
I mean, and that is what I would like to, to use the examples of, of a car. It's like running your, your car at full speed and then using or at, at a maximum acceleration and then using your, your brakes to get the optimal or the right speed. That's a, not a very efficient way of driving your car today. And it's not a very efficient way of, of running any motor either. So what is here, we have a huge opportunity for energy efficiency by using it uh, where you can save up to using drives where you can save energy for, for more than 25%. And only today, we see that only one out of five motors is equipped with a drive. And we believe that at least it should be one out of two. So uh, this is a great opportunity for energy efficiency. And with today, when we see also higher energy prices, we also see that we have a good business case when we're starting to use the variable speed drives in industries and in buildings. So if you look at our next slide, we have here an opportunity. And my main message of today is say we would use the new technology, which is currently already available from the industry, we could save and upgrade the non-efficient or the inefficient motors systems that we are running today around the globe. We could save 10% of the entire electricity consumed in the world today. That is a lot of windmills and solar plants being put in our renewable energy. This is, uh, and the good news is that this is not something we need to wait for another 10 years that technology will catch up. This is already available today. This is available from companies like ABB and have this technology at hand. And we can help industries and buildings to become more efficient. So we can also still enjoy the comfort of living, but we can do it with a much lower electricity consumption than what we see today, and thereby also reducing carbon emissions in the world. So with that, Keith, I would like to hand it back to you on the, and uh, thank you for the attention. Well, thanks so much, Morton, for sharing your perspective. Again, if you have any questions for Morton, go ahead and um, direct chat them to me, and we'll answer as many as we can get to after the presenters are finished. Up next is Prakash Rao, research scientist at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. Take it away, Prakash. Thank you, Keith, and thank you, Morton, for that great uh, talk. Uh, next slide, please. And I'll be presenting on behalf of my colleague, Paul Schaefer, um, some results uh, of a study we recently conducted here at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory uh, for the U.S. Department of Energy to uh, understand and evaluate the U.S. Uh, so US-focused uh, presentation that I'll give here, uh, installed base of motor systems and in industrial and commercial buildings. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, before I get started, though, I do want to uh, acknowledge a few uh, uh, folks who, uh, this is a very large project and it wasn't just Paul and myself, so, but, so I want to acknowledge uh, our sponsor at the U.S. Department of Energy, it's at the Advanced Manufacturing Office, and that's Alan Hefner. Um, additionally, uh, at Berkeley Lab, uh, Yuting Chen uh, supported a lot of statistical analysis you'll see, and she was helped with Mar uh, Miriam Goldberg and Ben Jones at DNV. Jeff Kropp and Jordan Hester at Cadmus led the, uh, some of the engineering and, uh, uh, information collection. Um, so I want to acknowledge them as well as U.S. Department of Energy's uh, Industrial Assessment Centers, which are 20-something uh, universities that uh, conduct small uh, energy efficiency audits of small to mid-sized manufacturers for free. 
And then we had numerous external, internal reviewers and stakeholders who helped us in this project. So I want to acknowledge them before I get started. Uh, but with that, next slide, please. So in the late 1990s, uh, the U.S. Department of Energy, um, the U.S. Department of Energy, sorry, just as I'm starting, I'm getting a low battery sound uh, thing, so I'm not sure what's going on. Hopefully that doesn't impact us too much. Um, the U.S. Department of Energy commissioned a report uh, to evaluate the installed base of motor systems in manufacturing. Uh, data was collected around 1997, and um, the information was published in 1998. And similarly, uh, a different office in the Department of Energy conducted a study to look at build, uh, motors and building systems. Um, and that was around the same vintage, that report. Well, it's been about 20-something years since, those, since that data has been out, and that data uh, is, is rather stale. And as Morton pointed out, uh, motors consume a tremendous amount of electricity, and they're a huge portion of our electric grid. So we knew we needed to better understand the situation on the ground with how we're operating our motors. So uh, in 2016, the Department of Energy listed uh, us at LBNL to conduct an updated assessment combining both the industrial and commercial sectors. And that's what I'll be reporting on our results here. Next slide, please. So we considered all industrial uh, uh, and commercial motors. So what we're defining as industry uh, is you can think manufacturing, so folks that make things, and plus the wastewater sector, so paper mills, steel mills, electronics manufacturers, car manufacturers, et cetera. And commercial buildings uh, are schools, offices, hospitals, um, uh, places of worship, uh, firehouses, police stations, all that stuff uh, is considered a commercial building. I mean, that's not manufacturing or residential, essentially. We looked at all motor systems that are polyphase, so that's three, that's, that, uh, that, that, that means three phase motors. Uh, with their one horsepower, about 0.75 kilowatts or greater. Um, and we and I, I want to be careful to use the word system as, as much as possible uh, rather than motor, because um, <clears throat> uh, we looked at not just the motor. We looked at the drive, uh, such as Martin described, the variable frequency drive or whatever drive or controller might be there. And as Martin uh, pointed out, most of the time there's not a drive, uh, an electric drive, there's some other form of control. But we looked at that, looked at the motor, the power transmission that's like a gearbox or, or a belt. The motor-driven equipment, which is now your pump, your fan, your compressor, uh, whether it's uh, your, your, your cooling system compressor, whatever it might be, uh, that's being driven by the mo uh, motor. And the distribution system. So how are you getting that you know, cold air or, or, or compressed air to its point of need? That's a distribution system. So it's across that whole channel. And all systems are considered pumps, fans, compressed air, materials processing, handling, refrigeration. My next slide, please. Uh, so um, we assessed, so the way we did this uh, study is to actually go out and conduct um, several hundred assessments of, um, of, of uh, well, three, th over 350 assessments of industrial and commercial facilities. So there's about 180,000 industrial facilities in the United States. We developed a statistical sample and used about 250 to evaluate um, the situation on the ground with motors for these industrial facilities. So we segmented uh, industry into those sub-industries sub that you see down there, uh, apparel, beverage, chemical, et cetera. Now, those definitions and categorizations are not ones we came up with. That's used by uh, uh, any time uh, the U.S. federal government's doing statistical analysis or, or, or needs to segment the economy. Those are the categories they use for manufacturing, so we just duplicated that. Um, and then we also then further subdivided into small, medium, and large, anticipating that smaller manufacturers or facilities 
likely have less uh, or different capabilities uh, and, and, and practices than the larger ones. So we want to get that uh, point of information uh, included. And then on the commercial side, there's five and a half million commercial buildings in the United States. They're a little bit uh, more uh, heterogeneous in the industrial sector, so we needed less samples, even though it's more of them, but we did 123 samples uh, actually going out to these facilities and collecting information on their motors. And there you see uh, how we segmented the economy, and that's using common DOE um, subsections for, for commercial buildings. Excuse me, next slide, please. All right, so what did we find? Uh, we had a whole lot of um, results. Our volume one reports of 250 pages, and I welcome you all to, to please, uh, it's, it's available online, uh, check it out. But here's the one, you know, high-level snapshot. What did we find? Uh, overall, in industrial and commercial buildings, we found that uh, in the United States, uh, these polyphase, one-horsepower greater motors consume over one million gigawatt hours of electricity per year. So to put that in perspective, that's 29% of the U.S. electric grid load uh, for all. So all the electrons flow into the electric grid. 29% of them are for industrial motor, industrial and commercial motor systems. So that's uh, that's quite a lot. What does what does that mean in terms of CO2 emissions? So if we uh, if we convert that, uh, these are not just estimates uh, using kind of grid emissions factors. We, we estimate that's about nine percent of all energy-related CO2 emissions. Um, or GHG emissions, I should say, CO2 equivalent emissions in the United States. So again, quite a bit. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's not only good for the environment, but the, but it's also good for pocketbooks for the uh, uh, energy efficiency is for, for, for these industrial commercial buildings because it's $116 billion per year in electricity costs. We, we estimated using sort of national electricity rates. Uh, so quite a bit. And if you look in the industrial sector, it's 13%, motors are 13% of its overall energy consumption and $47 billion per year in electricity costs. Um, in the commercial sector, it's 26% of its energy consumption. It's a little bit more than in the industrial sector, twice as more. And it's $69 billion per year in electricity costs for motor systems. So uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it, it's uh, uh, industrial facilities, commercial building owners are paying uh, to run their motor systems and and it's also consuming quite a bit of electricity and responsible for a lot of co2 emissions um next slide please now in terms of uh physical units um there's we, we asked that we counted or estimated that there's over 52 million uh motor systems in the united states uh commercial industrial and commercial facilities um I apologize on the previous slide and this slide I should have explained the little brackets that we have there kind of show our error ranges so so it's it's within it's a confidence interval so we think the average is about 52 and a half million uh, some are varying between 47.9 or 48 and 57 um, and again because of a statistical sample it's not going to be the exact number there uh, in the commercial as we look at how these motors are sort of uh, 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 portioned out um, far more in the commercial sector so we saw um, on the energy side, it's about 50-50, the, the share of energy for industrial and commercial motors, but not in terms of motor units. We have 41 million units in the commercial sector and 10.8 in in million in the industrial sector. What that tells us in the rest of the data, and the Volume 1 report proves this out, is that the commercial systems are a little bit smaller, uh, a lot more motors, but they tend to be smaller than the industrial systems, which can be uh, you know, thousands uh, of horsepower uh, 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 motors. Next slide, please. And we want to dive a little bit more. And next three slides, we're really going to dive into, like, you know, how do we actually use these motors? It's great we have all these motors, but what do they do? 
and, and as Morton described, uh, uh, the, the, and anything, anything's, anytime anything's moving, it's probably a motor behind it. Um, so it, if, as we look at these segments of the industrial economy uh, in the U.S., the chemical sector by far outpaced everyone else in terms of their motor consumption. So they were some 100,000 uh, gigawatt hours per year uh, for the chemical industry. This is um, everything from uh, your toiletries at home and, and, your, and your laundry detergent to uh, you know, uh, chemicals used in heavy manufacturing or, 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 or you know, things you don't buy off the shelf. So it's, it's a very large sector and pharmaceuticals are included in here as well. This is followed by primary metals. This is your aluminum, this is your steel. These are some of the key heavy industries of, 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 of our economy kind of building blocks and um that's followed by the food sector so this is not ag or selling food but this is the food processing this, this is the stuff you buy at the grocery stores the factories that, that are making those these quite a bit of motors as well <clears throat> on the commercial side a little bit more even split however uh, offices again were uh the largest uh not again excuse me but offices were the largest um uh, uh contributor uh to motor system energy consumption Followed fairly close to educational facilities, schools, universities, things like that, and then lodging, so your hotels. So offices, education, and lodging is, is where a lot of these motor systems are sitting. Uh, next slide, please. And if we, we want to dive a little bit deeper into how it's being used you know, at the motor-driven equipment end, and I remember that's your pump, which is going to be moving water around, your, your air compressor, which is going to be compressing air, or fan or blower, which is pushing air around. Uh, in the industrial sector, actually, the largest share of motor consumption is going for materials processing. So these, this is a little bit of a surprise for us because we commonly think of motor systems going to pumps, fans, and excuse me, air compressors. But materials processing are just kind of these silent motors that are doing the grinding, the hydraulics, the extruders. That as as you're walking through a manufacturing plant, you see many uh, motors, and a lot of them are just kind of doing materials processing and handling. Uh, and this is actually the largest in terms of energy consumption. Um, uh, segment uh, of the industrial uh, motor use. Um, fans, blowers, and pumps are, are quite a bit, but materials processing is, is the largest. On the commercial side, it's heavily skewed towards refrigeration compressors and, and fans and blowers. And as we see on the, as we're going to see on the next slide, it, it's it's for ventilation and, and heating and cooling. So uh, here on the next slide, on the blue on the right, as you can see, we've broken down even further now beyond the pump, fan, and compressor, beyond what subsector it is. What is it actually really doing? Why is that motor there? And when we talk about energy efficiency, I think one of the first questions we want to ask is, do I even need this thing? And, and, and if not, shut it off. And here is here we're seeing what are we using the motors for? Air handling, refrigeration for the chiller plant or space cool for um, in the commercial sector. Industrial sector, it's much more balanced. Uh, it's still a lot of air handling, um, still a lot of refrigeration, but you have things like process equipment cooling, um, the compressed air plant. Our other is a quite a large category, so any individual component there is not quite a mental lot, um, uh, but but a little bit more varied in its in its in its motor system energy use. Next slide, please. And just some concluding thoughts on motor systems and their role in the, in the future. Uh, wholeheartedly agree with, with Morton's uh, statements there about significant opportunities for energy savings. Uh, the idea that we have large motors um, powering systems that don't need so much energy is, is kind of ubiquitous. Uh, so minimizing those losses through variable frequency drives through, um, or if, <clears throat> if even just a, a smaller motor um, in some cases. Um, we saw in our data variable frequency drives in the industrial sector, only 16% of motors had variable frequency drives in the commercial sector, it's only 4%. Um, 
replace older motors with new energy efficiency motor energy efficient motors with variable speed drives um so that that's kind of coupling the two technologies together to ensure uh, maximum performance now as you get to decarbonization which is the key as the video described um if we think about how much we need to spend uh, in, the, in the u.s to decarbonize our electric grid meaning bring on all renewable assets there was one report recently that's about over three trillion dollars i think it was three and a half trillion dollars to fully decarbonize the electric grid 29 percent of my grid load is motors and if i can reduce the energy consumption for motors i then reduce the amount of grid that needs to be uh decarbonized and i've cut that three and a half trillion dollars so it pays off to decarbonize to, to, for energy efficiency energy efficiency also pays back in the pocketbooks of those building owners as we saw with how much they spent on electricity costs so it keeps them in business a little bit longer allows them to hire more employees um, and, and make more product it's also key to balancing renewable energy generation on the electric grid. Not only will it require less, but also renewable energy generation, as you've likely heard, is intermittent. It, it, it's, it, there's more electrons available at some, at some times of the day than there are others. And as to the extent that we can modulate our factories and our buildings to go up and down and up and down to kind of match those the availability of those electrons, the better. And variable frequency drives, motor systems, those are the things that are going to be helping us do that. And uh, in addition to more people in, in the world, uh, I think decarbonization is going to also take offline a lot of fossil fuel systems, which will be converted in, in, uh, to heat to electric systems. And I'm thinking very specifically here, I think we're going to see a lot more electric heat pumps and, and, and that replace these old uh, natural gas burning HVAC systems or, or, or fossil fuel burning HVAC systems. So, so in addition to population growth, I think you're also just going to be a shift to see, to see a shift to more electric uh, systems driven by motors. And finally, uh, this is not an energy efficiency play, but it's a health play. We're all still sitting in a pandemic. Uh, and I think we've all heard about healthier buildings. Our schools need more ventilation. Our offices need more ventilation. Our indoor spaces need more ventilation. And motors are going to be a key to that. Uh, they're, they're, whether it's increasing, whether it's uh, increasing the exhaust uh, uh, from 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 buildings, that's going to be a motor. We might have uh big step you know recommendations for uh better filters on our fans um that's going to require our fans to work a little bit harder which means the motors are going to work a little bit harder because the fans the filters are going to be uh you know to put a little harder to push air through them that's going to be more motor system energy consumption on commercial buildings so healthier buildings will, will require efficient uh, uh durable motors um, i think that's that's it for me um and i'll pass it back to you keith oh sorry last slide here just uh just a few other things. You can access the report at that link. We dive more into uh, what I presented today. Um, if you want to look at any of the data, we've, we've posted it all online at motors.lbl.gov inventory. You can go play with the data yourself to create your own graphs. We've, we have two more reports. One's already out. One looks at the supply chain for advanced motors and drives for this project. And, and one we're working on right now is energy savings opportunities. It's under preparation. And there's mine and Paul's uh, email addresses please contact us if you have any questions and uh, thank you for having us i'll pass it back to you keith thanks so much prakash for that uh, detailed and timely analysis a lot lot to lot to think about in, in that in that that's for sure and by the way paul paul shaver he's going to be joining us for the q a session um, a little bit later as well so glad to have him on board um again if you have any questions for prakash go ahead and direct chat them to me and we'll answer them after our final presenter was Jesse Henson, president of ABB's NEMA Motors Division. All yours, okay. Jesse. Thank you, Keith. 29%, 29% of all energy used in the United States is consumed by electric motors. 
69% is consumed in industrial applications, which is from electric motors. What an opportunity to make a difference for our climate. And this is one thing that I am personally extremely passionate about making a difference. As Morton said, motors and drives run hidden and essential processes all around us. Processes that can't be stopped, but definitely can be improved. We are human. We like to eat. We like hot showers. And we like our clean drinking water. We don't want to be told when we can turn on or off our HVAC systems to be comfortable. We enjoy these luxuries in life. But all of these come and they're brought to us from electric motors. We really do keep the world turning by saving energy every day. We sell on almost all process and industries and applications. On the slide there on the right, it's just one example where you might find hundreds of our product of industrial electric motors in these applications that are running and doing and bringing us the things that we enjoy every day. That's making a difference for our society. So those are, are important for us. So you can see the numbers and what kind of things that we can make a difference for. On the next slide, if you look, there's ways that we can reduce our emissions. According to the Inter International Energy Agency, renewables now account for 25% of electric electricity generated in the world. This is fantastic. The project that will take around 20 years for that to reach 67% of the global generation. We talked earlier about the electricity demand and how fast it's increasing. But a lot of times, ways that we can help reduce that is have concentrated times when we actually use the electricity. However, that demand, we know that when it's hot in the summer months in the United States, we don't want to turn our HVAC systems off during that time and those peak demand, which is really high for CO2 uh, intensity. So that's one thing that we can be more efficient. And that's where the third element comes in is really just about using less electricity in the first place. We don't have to use all the electricity that we have in front of us today. We can invest in new technologies. One of those things that we can we already do is we invest in LED light bulbs. We've almost all moved away from the old incandescent light bulbs to LED. So now it's a point of we don't even think about it. We just know we want LED because we see the benefit. And it's it was expensive to make that change in technology, but the payback was there, but it's not even as strong as electric motors and what it can provide. But we all know it's the right thing to do, and we make that decision every day to pay more. When you look at electric motors, we have been producing those for well over 100 years. And we've been a leader in energy efficiency for much of that time. We have brought, always brought some of the latest technologies to the forefront to be a leader in making a difference for our customers and for the climate. The U.S. standard for electric motors is what we call IE3 efficient. And this is what all motors must be uh, to operate in the United States. Other manufacturers claim to have higher efficiencies. But we have proven designs readily available today that are much higher efficient than the standards can make a big difference. 
We also, you heard Morton talk about the difference that electric drives can do. I relate this to putting digital technology connected to our motors to where you're smart and now all of a sudden you only use the energy that you need at that given time. We're taking that next leap to where now we're integrating motors and drives together as one package that can be together for our customers and in, in solve this climate solution that we have and make a big impact there. The fastest way to save electricity is to not use it at all. Just by being plugged in, idle equipment can be drawing phantom energy. Next slide. Turning off equipment will not only reduce your electricity bill, but it may also extend the life of your equipment itself. Drives can help regulate that. As Morton said earlier, by applying a drive to motor-driven equipment, you only use the amount of electricity you actually need and not a drop more. However, motors that were built prior to 1990 are likely to run at 87% efficient or less. Today's highly efficient motors run at efficiencies higher than 95, and we have some that run higher than 98, something we never imagined we could reach by this time in an affordable way. Based on this improvement, it's estimated that upgrading to a new efficient motor can have a payback in as little as six months, sometimes up to 24. With the purchase price of an electric motor being less than 5% of a total lifetime cost, 5%, it just makes sense when our customers are buying new product to invest in things that can make a difference for our climate. So let's look at an example on the next slide of what one motor can do. So this is a, a use case of a seven and a half horsepower motor that consumes about 57 uh, kilowatts a day or equate that out to the average energy cost about $200 a month in energy cost for one motor. That's the cost, average cost of a typical home uh, for our electricity cost. If when you're replacing that motor, if you replace it with a more energy efficient solution we have available today, you could reduce that by as much as 20%. So $155 a month. And you're like, well, that's not necessarily a lot. It's great to see the savings. But think about how many motors are installed, 52 million motors out there in the US. What a difference. Now extrapolate that up to 100 motors. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting into one factory $50,000 in savings a year. These are when it really starts making a difference. Uh, one area that we've been investigating and, and really having a lot of growth is in data centers. We all like our data. It's at our fingertips every day. Well, those data centers produce a lot of heat and they need cooled. We are changing a data center that typically has 54 motors to the most energy efficient, which is our integrated motor technology, there we can save $170,000 a year of energy, energy consumption for these facilities. There's 7 million data centers located around the world. So we can make a difference. So we talked about on the next slide that we could save 10%. What are the other ways that we can save 10%? Incandescent light bulbs, all the LED, if you switch out 2.7 million, then you can save that 
if we install 15,000 windmills all at 2.4 megawatt, which I'm a huge fan of windmills, they're fantastic, then you can you can have the same similar CO2 emission reduction. The other option is to turn off electricity in our homes, which none of us want to do. So when we talk about motors and how that we can reduce the consumption by 10% by upgrading, this is something that nobody's talking about. But we really have an opportunity to make a difference. So what all does this mean on the next slide? There was some strategic investments. Motor users can have a positive impact on our environment now. Not in five years, not in 10, but today. Simply put, the newest generation of motor and drive technology is better for the climate than what's currently installed because it consumes less electricity. It's smarter, it's digitally connected. Our technology makes economic sense and can pay for itself in less than two years. Our technology reduces the need to produce as much electricity. The best way is to never use the energy in the first place. This decreases the CO2 emissions and freeing up more capacity on our grids. Motor users can be a part of the solution today because we have the right technologies available today. Now, every commercial building and industrial process can be a part of a change in our climate and the solution. Motors and drives together, they just make the world a better place. So I'll wrap up and Reducing electricity consumption, we know it's good for our customers. I hope you can now see it's good for our employees and our communities. So by choosing to invest in these new technologies and reducing the amount of electricity we consume, then we can make this difference. We are, as ABB, a part of the solution for a better planet. I believe it is our duty to make a difference for a better tomorrow. But we need your help to get this message out of this invisible climate solution that no one is talking about. With that, Keith, I'll turn it back over to you for Q&A. Great, thank you, Jesse. Really appreciate the, uh, your insights. Um, just a couple of, of things. I've got some questions starting to roll in on the chat, so uh, please direct further questions to me uh, via the chat. Also, um, direct chat uh tracy if you're interested in scheduling a one-on-one -on -one interview with with uh, with morton with jesse or, or with prakash um and i would remind our speakers today as well as paul from uh, uh from uh, prakash's uh, colleague to uh, turn their microphones back on and their cameras back on and um we will jump into the questions here um Got one to start here from uh, Kevin Parker. Hey, Kevin, hope you're doing well. Are attitudes towards sustainability markedly different in Europe than in the U.S.? You know, who wants to handle that if, if Morton, maybe? Uh, he's probably got uh, the, the most global view of us. Uh, yeah, I have to say a yes there today uh, because the... Uh, Design as but uh, how we look at today at the energy efficiency standards has been driven in the past really by the European unions and what we call the eco design, uh, which is the new the minimum standards or what is kind of just what is allowed to sell and use in uh, in Europe. 
um, those uh, eco-design requirements says that the minimum standard out of July 1st this year uh, was what we called IE3. And it's already decided and it will be implemented in two years time, 1st of July 23, that we will have IE4 as the minimum standard. And these are, again, as I say, and an IE4 motors use around uh, or more than 30% less energy than compared to an IE1 motor, which is the, let's say, the old design of technology. So that is the, uh, we see that trend is then also being followed around the world. Even uh, also now China has implemented an IE3 as their minimum standard. Saudi Arabia and the Emirates will follow by next summer. So it is a trend that we're seeing around the world with applying these minimum standards uh, away for energy efficiency. And I think that is uh, something that has to happen across the globe. Uh, when we put in new machinery, that being compressors, fan systems, pump systems, this is how you're able to increase the efficiency of those, those systems is by using the new technology. And uh, so our call to actions for also in, the, in, in America is that we start also implementing a better and a higher minimum standard. And as Jesse showed, this is, doesn't make sense only for the environment. It is also a good business case. So, but I think we're lacking a bit of the awareness. Uh, and uh, that is also where we ask all stakeholders, both uh, uh, regulators and industries to come together and really look at the business case, because uh, we truly believe that this is a good investment, both for society, but also for industries themselves. Well, thank you, Martin. Anything to add to that, uh, Jesse or Prakash, from your perspectives? Yes, I think it's covered well, and, and especially tagging on to what Morton said there at the end. We need your help in getting the message out, and uh, it does. You know, in Europe, in, in other countries, it is it's leaning the way. I would say, and I think we're maybe lagging a little bit behind in the U.S. and and we can help make that difference. Great. Um, another. Uh global question maybe <laughs> to address i guess to, to the whole panel how does this uh, kind of u.s environmental efficiency movement specifically address some of the discussion um, implications of the paris climate accord or further discussions uh, from glasgow just wrapped up yeah, i can start there as well uh keith it's by we, we started first of all energy efficiency something which is very close to our heart in motion and has been over many many years but, and then we see the Paris Agreement, but also the kind of the sustainability wave that is going across the, the whole world these days. It kind of plays in that direction. So we, but we, so we decided long for, before COP26 or the climate pledges that has been made there. But we started this movement to, to get the right attention around that because it's, an, the, uh, it's a solution which is available today and we're not using it well enough and that is the uh, i think sometimes the frustration of us in the industry because it's a great and a, and a fantastic opportunity and we just need to get it better known both with uh, as i said with regulators but of course with mostly with customers and decision makers in the industry so that's why we have this uh, common call to actions and we're also engaging this is not an abb alone campaign. We are now going wider and engaging uh, peers in the industry, but also our customers and partners. 
who also want to join, so uh, for example, their Alpha Laval, we're the first, exter first external partner that joined ABB and joined us in the energy efficiency movement. And you will see in the time to come, in the next uh, weeks and months, you will see more companies joining the movement uh, because they are also uh, fully committed to energy efficiency as one of the tools in uh, the toolbox of a more sustainable future. That's kind of sense. Just a little bit of a follow-on question uh, that that I had, and uh, that's looking at the you know some of the infrastructure bill and other activities a little closer to home. Is there support for? Um, is there? We're going to have support for increased motor energy efficiency in some of the the bills that have either passed or coming through uh, Congress here in the states. Uh, so I can take that one uh, when you. When you look at the focus, there was a there was a big focus on energy efficiency, and that's when we went to the IE three standards, uh, and that's been for some time now. Yeah. Uh, but, but then we we work as part of the the NEMA organization, a big contributor there, and the focus got shifted to the overall system efficiency because there was a lot of opportunity around pumps and uh, pump systems and things for the end to end mechanical train of the solution to be able to how we reduce the overall uh, efficiency there and increase efficiency from mechanical solution too. That has been done uh, and there's been some movement parts and now I believe it's opening back up to be looking at what the next phase of industrial electric motor standards could be. And that's moving more in line with like IE4 efficiencies that we're seeing in Europe and such. Another question uh, from Jim Montague. How can integrated motors and drives help deliver energy from alternative sources um, or other or aid other decarbonization efforts? Can, can you repeat that? I don't, I'm not sure. What? How, how can integrated motors and drives help deliver energy from alternative sources or aid other decarbonization, decarbonization efforts? Yeah. I can start there and say that when we install the um, largest wind turbines and windmills ever made, they've been also, uh, installed outside the coast of uh, New York, and they are 14 megawatts, which is uh, up to five times the normal size and power of what you have on a, let's say, on a and onshore or a land-based wind turbine. The mode or the drive, so what we call then is the converter, because that is converting from movement of the blades into electricity to power generation and feeding this back to the power grid. This is an area where also we as ABB are present uh, on, uh, in these large, I would almost say, it's wind uh, windmill, um, the monsters which are out there, they are more than uh, they are about double the size of the Eiffel Tower. Uh, or, so that's the, uh, we are also present in many of these, uh, on, on these sites where on the renewable energy side. So that is one part, but uh, it also comes into the use now of fuels, uh, fuel cells of, uh, of uh, also when you're talking about re regenerating power, we see now more and more we are, ex um, are uh, replacing brakes and chokes, for instance, in, in our equipment with regeneration. That means instead of, I can take a simple, a long escalator where people in a shopping mall, when you go down downstairs, 
and you have that full escalator of people, that today is power generation. That is, uh, is use that power that is generated over, over drives is then turning that energy uh, back into the power grid. And that is something, uh, so uh, I always say that you should walk the steps up, but you can uh, safely take the escalator down again. That would be the best out of two worlds uh, when it comes to using our escalators. But maybe you have something else you want to add there as well. Yeah, I was gonna say, Jim, did that, Jim Montague, if you could wanna unmute, did that address your question or? or? Uh, I think it did, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good answer. All right. <laughs> but anything you want to add, Jesse, or uh, or Prakash on that? <laughs> well, I was going to point out another uh, idea uh, here in California, where where I'm currently sitting. Um, we have a phenomenon called the duck curve, which some of you might have heard of, where <clears throat> we have a lot of uh, excess electrons available in the middle of the day because of solar generation and the sun's powering out uh, and the, the PV is generating electricity. But we don't have as much um, demand because we're all kind of in our offices or, or whatnot. But when we come home around five, six o'clock at night, we all come home, we turn our ACs on, we turn our lights on, we get our stoves going, we start, you know, turn our TVs on, all that stuff. And the sun starts to set. So we have this situation where the demand starts to increase when the availability is decreasing. And I think motors have a key role in helping us balance this. And if, because if we can start to back off on some of those things that maybe don't need to be coming on as high a load at five or six o'clock. Maybe it's our wastewater facilities. They don't need to be treating as much wastewater at that time. They can back off a little bit. That's really going to be the key is to do that efficiently. So we want to do that with a drive and a motor so that we're backing off of these systems efficiently so we can allow these renewable assets to come online and then come offline and then kind of use the stored energy. So I think as far as modulating how we use energy throughout the day to meet when the electrons are available. I think motors are kind of a linchpin uh, and efficient control of motors are, are somewhat of a linchpin there in, in sort of making that happen and integrating with mobile assets. Yeah, sounds like there's a role for advanced control or AI to help make that <laughs> manage that process as well. And I think ABB does something along those lines. But could Absolutely. Be. I think here the digital solutions are a key part to play here and when it comes to building automation we mean control the lighting control but also temperature control that we keep it it should be comfortable temperature when we are in the room but you don't need it super cool when there is nobody there so that is kind of it should be comfortable at the right time but it doesn't need to be 24 7 either so all well, and here we have with building automation, but also with our digital solutions. So that goes the same for industries. And now, and, and being able to, to use our, our digital solution in addition to the right technology. But I always say that only digital solution will not help us alone because you have to fix the basics. Because if we use a very inefficient technology like light bulbs, it doesn't help to have lighting control. You need to go to the LED lighting and then you can have lighting control in addition. But the big saving was really to move from light bulbs to LED. That was the majority of the saving. And that is the same in the field of motors and drive. We can really use digital, but we also need to get the basics in place. And that's where the call to action is from oversight. Let's use that technology available. So it becomes as natural 
to buy a high energy efficient motor as it is to buy an LED light today. That kind of leads into another question we have. Uh, what technology advances besides pairing a motor with a drive are making the motors themselves more more efficient? Are there um, new technologies? I mean, not, you're, if you're already at 90%, not sure how much farther you know, but if you look at from a system perspective, I suppose even. Um, maybe yeah, well, even, even Jesse, maybe you can tell a bit of kind of what has happened in the, in the field of Baldor from the the motors that you produced uh, 20, 30 years ago compared to the high efficient motors you produce today. That's a massive difference just by technology. Yeah, sure. So, you know, we talked earlier about that we've been developing motors and producing motors for well over 100 years. And it's always been around to build a better motor and to build a more efficient motor. Uh, in, in the 1980s, we launched the uh, what we call the Super E motor, which is the staple of the industry today. And that was when we we really made a, a leap change in energy efficiency at that time that became the standard which we know now that led into the IE3 capable uh, type product. And, and it was really a challenge. You had to have so much more material, uh, either steel and copper, to be able to get increased efficiencies at the time. It didn't justify the payback. You know, when we talk, talk about six to, six to 18 month payback, it didn't justify itself. But over the last 20 years, we've made great leaps uh, in the right direction there with technology that we now can achieve even higher efficiencies, efficiencies that quite honestly, I never even thought of five years ago that we could really get to without doing rare earth magnets and those type of things that, that then all of a sudden add a lot of cost and also go kind of against the grain when we talk about climate solution. I wouldn't use rare earths and things and what it takes to get those. So we're able to, to develop now our latest generation of product line that is using uh, non-rare earth material to get those next level of efficiencies. And these are things that are, are going to differentiate and make a difference for, for our customers and our, our, our employees and across the business. Any secrets you can share? What's the secret sauce? That is it geometry? Is it design? What, what kind of thing? It's a different technology and different design. And, and you know, a lot of times when you do these things, you come up with a new technology. Was well, not always the same form factor. It doesn't fit in the same application. It only works for specific applications. And and because of that, it's simply a slow movement uh, to get change in the industry. Uh, but what we've done here is that's not the case. Uh, we've developed a solution that it has exactly the same look and feel. Um, it has the same mounting to where it can fit in all the historical applications that's out there. So a motor that was installed 30 years ago, this can fit right there and still work in that application. And, and the design and the difference is what's on the inside. And, and that's what we're doing with, with non-rare earth material. Uh, with advancements in our engineering and technology that we have to be able to deliver that. Another question, how do on, how does onboard intelligence, uh, chips and software, and maybe Internet of, of Things links in integrated motors accomplish more efficiency and savings? Yeah, maybe start there with, uh, it's again here a combination of both motors and drives in our field. On the motor side, and, and Jesse, I, I mean, I'm sure you can talk, you can talk to that as well about the motor sensors is what we 
uh, uh, we place on the motor as has, uh, and you can also place it on an old motor as even a non-ABB motor. So that's the where you can detect vibrations, but also losses. And that means when you should replace it and, and put in a new motor or do maintenance on your ex existing equipment. And you can get it connected through your smartphone. So that exists and is being used already today. Uh, but the next step, which is um, probably uh, then or even more advanced, is when you also use it in combination with a variable speed drive, where you can automatically also connect that drive to the, um, to the cloud and being able to uh, to monitor and get full transparency of where to use electricity in the process. And that is really the next step. And there uh, we are, something we are very proud of as ABB because we are in the front forefront of installing also now running pilots and having these self-connecting variable speed drives that uh, customers can then have full, as I say, full transparency on their own process without the large control system or a lot of, of uh, additional um, IT investments or IS investments. So that is, is where we are now really, uh, bringing it in as taking these self-connecting drives and self-connecting motors. That's the next step of the industry that can give you, say, that icing on the cake when it comes to even more savings uh, in the future. So when you, when you look at it, it's when you add a drive, you're adding digital intelligence right there. And when you have the digital intelligence and you can control speed, you can connect to the outside world, you can connect to other systems, you know what energy you're consuming at that point, so you can truly optimize your overall energy savings. And and the other the other piece of digital intelligence that Morton talked about was the smart sensor. And I relate that to basically um, you go in a hospital and you put everything on your chest and such so they can monitor and make sure that you're staying healthy and know what's going on inside your body. When we put these digital sensors on the side of a motor, that's what we're doing. We then have the digital intelligence of that product line to know what's going on at all times so that we can keep up time, uh, under, understand the savings that we're getting and those type of things that make a difference. One of my own questions here, um, I think one of uh, Prakash's numbers was uh, $116 billion of, of electricity costs for, for, for motors. And we talked a little bit about the potential savings. Any guess of, you know, out of that large electricity cost, what, what would be the capital investment we would need to be looking at to get to that 10% um, number on an annual basis? Any Anybody made any calculations based on that? I'm sure Jesse is looking at the market opportunity for for efficiency at some point. Uh, and any sense of, 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 of what the, the scale of that uh, annual investment would be uh, to get to get our motors and drives in, in that kind of shape? Well, since I put out that number, I'll, I'll, I can try to go first. Um, <laughs> we, we haven't looked at the investment cost, but I'll say that one of the most, um, it, it's, I don't think it might not be as much as we think because if we think about an older motor that's that's failing, an older motor that's not performing and, and will be failed, I think we did some uh, surveys of how do you change, how do you pick your motor when, when your motor fails? How do you pick that next motor? Yeah. And usually it was whatever arrives at my factory the fastest or is the cheapest. <laughs> so if we can start to think about no replace out that uh, that premium efficiency motor, you know the IE three motor or, or with a drive. Now it's the delta between replacing it with some older 
so, so some lousy motor to, for, you know the, to be blunt with with the, with the more efficient motor so so it's not so i think when you make that investment matters when you're designing and when you're buying a new compressed air plant or, new, or you're purchasing a new compressed air system you, you could look at that if you want you look at that efficiency um premium I, I guess you know and it might not be as much just think about well how much is an efficient air compressor system so i think one of the keys is um it might not be that much if it's if we start to build in these concepts of energy efficiency and looking at sort of the energy the labels when procurement is buying these motors you know and 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 going to specify that i want a new motor well it's got to be premium efficient you know it's got to meet these requirements for our company standards and, and i think then the investment cost kind of isn't as large as 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 if you you were just thinking starting from scratch so what we often see customers are doing these days who made these calculations they would often just but you need to plan ahead you know because it's a bit of what you have in your warehouse or in your maybe your service department or what they're doing with maintenance they have the one for one replacement instead of being because when it fails as Prakash was saying that you need to replace it immediately you cannot wait for any time so therefore it's about being prepared and more and more we see that people are looking at their installed base or what they have on motors and then they're planning that when it fails i'm going to take it out and i will put in the new one with the new technology because then it's a bit too late then it's like you're you're, you're, that's not what you're thinking if your machine is down you're not starting to do energy audit calculations then it's about get the process up and running again so you need to be a bit of planning ahead here uh, but as Jesse said as well only five percent of the cost of a motor is the capex is the purchase price 95 percent is the opex it's the the energy it consumes during its lifetime so in that perspective as well the payback is almost always there when you when you're doing the calculation up front but a bit when kind of the motor failed i need a new one and the only one is an old uh, kind of an outdated one you have in your warehouse and that's what you put in operation it's always oh let's wait to next time so we need some planning ahead here to be ready also to do this transition for for the large uh, large users of motors yeah that makes sense all right. A couple of questions related to um, regulatory regulatory requirements. Um, are there uh, how, how do regulatory requirements, I guess, impact that the or can impact? I suppose uh, looking further ahead, how can they impact the efficiencies that are are specified for particular applications? And and could that be a, a, a factor helping to coax us along if the savings aren't enough? And then is there a future where um, in some applications, uh, variable speed drives would be mandated for, for, for applications. Yeah, so when you when you look at the, the regulation, you know, the, there are some talks, but it's still very early on. So I wouldn't expect any form in the U.S. at least a, a regulation to come out anytime soon in the next at least couple of years. Uh, and when, when you look at the use of variable speed drives and, and making that kind of an, an expectation, I think it definitely need clarity around the opportunity that's there, but because the, we see about 50% of the the motors installed could use a drive, so it'd be really hard to say which ones are required to use and which one is not. So it's more about awareness than I believe it would be around regulation when it comes to the drive side. Now there might be certain applications that come into play, 
And I think some of that has naturally happened with some of the regulation in play uh, for HVAC industry and such, where that it, you had to move to things like our integrated motor technology to be able to achieve the overall fi- system efficiencies that was required by law. And, and so naturally, the overall requirement will drive the need for more drives in the future. Yeah. One more question. Um, this is a good starting to wrap things up question. Um, what's the essence of what's different about what ABB is doing right now versus past talk about motor efficiency and energy savings? Is there you've formed the energy efficiency movement but there's something fundamentally different I think there one big difference today than what we saw earlier is that our customers are coming out and saying you know we are committing to a, a net zero 20 target by maybe 2030 some 2035 mm-hmm. and this is today one of the available technologies where it kind of has to be used. So it does, it's not really a, just an option, it's a must to be able to reach those commitments that so many companies now going out to say, we want to be carbon neutral uh, by 2030. And this is, so it's no longer just an opportunity, it's a must for those companies. So, and um, what is different is that from our side, we will really trying or what we are doing is to engage all stakeholders with sessions like this, not just telling our customers, but we will also work towards regulators. We will work against uh, with, with, with media and public opinion, uh, universities, academia. So it's really a wide scope of stakeholders that we are engaging to get the awareness of. So there I think has been, it is not just a sustainability case it's not just a business case it's not just the right thing to do i mean we, we we're combining all of that and try and will be louder uh, than what we have been in the past and uh, then we need some help as well from from everybody to join in there and uh, and uh, and help us in this direct the, in the in the right direction <laughs> anything to add from the press to the peanut gallery you know, Morton handled it really well there and said it well. The one piece that uh, I will add around that is our customers have sustainability strategies in place and they want to make a difference to reduce CO2 emissions now more than, than ever. And part of the solutions that even we look, have looked at in the past is we might go and change all of our overhead lights in our factories to LEDs. And we can immediately tie that to energy savings. We will tie it to our sustainability strategy. And we'll tie it to our expectation we have for CO2 emissions to meet our targets as a business. But what most people don't talk about, and this is why we talk about it, the invisible solution that we have, they don't tie these really energy efficient solutions that we offer to the marketplace to their sustainability strategy and measure for their CO2. Some do, but not all. And that's the difference that we can make here. We can help our customers achieve their sustainability journey. I think we're running uh, close to the end, and I'd like to leave some room for closing comments from, from each of you. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe more. You can you can start us off. Obviously, the um, I would like to know um, how 
we as media, what's our role in this? What can we do other than writing uh, great stories about ABB motors and how efficient they are? What, what can, what's our role in this? And is there a more formal um, involvement with the uh, energy efficiency movement um, that we can be, become a part of? Maybe you can, you can start, Morton, and you can uh, yep. go, around the, go around the horn. And then also any other closing comments you might have. Thanks, Keith. Now, we have uh, started this year, this year with our energy efficiency movement around the world. This is, uh, we started in, in Asia, with uh, in Southeast Asia, with China, with India, across Europe, in Latin America, and also now in, in the United States. So, for us, this is not an one year or a kind of a short-term project. It's something that we are very committed to over a long time. And many of the people in our organization joined ABB because of energy efficiency and being part of a more sustainable future. And that is also why I'm confident that this journey will go on and we will see next year an opportunity to join the movement also in from, from, uh, as an individual and to sign on, but also for uh, companies. And that is something we're coming back in early in 22, so stay tuned there. So you can also, and we'll come out with spreading it out in more, in, in with more partners, more uh, customers and partners that want to sign up and join in, and also private individuals. And I think all the, so how you can help also from the media is to show some of these great examples that being done in the industry, because there are made some really good choices from uh, the sustainability journeys of companies these days, how they are applying new technology on this journey to net zero. And uh, it does not come on behalf of competitiveness or uh, a, um, worse business, but rather really the opposite. So there I think it's a, it's a, it's a really great story that also I, I hope you also feel the, uh, the excitement from all of us, from Jesse, myself, everybody's working in it, BBB, it's something we, thoroughly believe in and we are just happy that we can also get it even uh, this message out broad in a broader audience and then we need everybody to to chip in all the stakeholders and uh, all everybody's engagement to be able to get to the net zero um, uh, carbon net zero society of the future which is maybe far ahead but this is one of the very practical actions we can take already today. Great, thanks, Prakash or Paul. Anything to to add from uh, your perspective? You've been uh, deep in the data here. Anything uh, you'd like to add as we close out? Sure. Um, you know, when Paul and I first start endeavored on this project and, and developing the questions to kind of look at what do we understand motor systems, there was a you know we, we had a set of objectives, and that was twenty seventeen uh, ish time frame. And now, just four years later, I think so much has changed. Whether um, whether it's renewables are cheaper and there's much more uh, expansion of the electric grid with renewable energy, whether it's climate risks and, and, and the effects of climate change are just in our face when it's fires and droughts and the need for resilience has really emerged more in the, four, in the last four years. Mm -hmm. um, and, but at the end, decarbonization, of course, is now front and center. But I think underpinning all of that, what I just said, is energy efficiency. It's always the cheapest Sometimes not even, I can't even call it cheap because you don't even have to pay anything to achieve it. <laughs> it actually just pays you back. It's, it's always the thing, it's always that one sort of, uh, the, you know, 
your best friend who's always there with you, you know, is energy efficiency no matter where you are, and it always helps. It, it, it always gets you to your end. So I think um, for me that's something that's um, uh, tried and true, and I think no matter what we're – in this changing energy landscape, I think um, efficiency is going to be – gonna be king or, or and and then we think about motors i guess i always kind of think it's one of the first disruptive technologies when we really think about it i mean think about how much of our world it runs by on motors um and it, what where would it be without motors uh, not very far um it's it's enabled our skyscrapers it's enabled our factories it's enabled so much of what we do and it's again tried and true and, and it's been there forever so and it's a it's a wonderful sort of mechanical electrical de- electromechanical device so it's it's a cornerstone of what we do efficiency is a cornerstone of what we want to achieve so i think marrying those two together is just obvious and how about you just or paul did you have something you want to share yeah i think i would echo what prakash just said i mean i think energy efficiency is is where organizations should you know start their their greenhouse reduction efforts it's 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 always the most economical way to do it and 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 you know the, the answer is not just to just to go on a green rate schedule and say i'm done with it um the the way to go is to start with energy efficiency i would agree with that jesse last last words from you so when we look at this and why we're so passionate about it within within abb there's a passion for it because we can see the difference that we can make. Uh, that is really the main driver for us in getting the message out there. Uh, we invest significant amount of dollars in R&D uh, to continue this journey to make a difference for a better tomorrow. And we will continue to do that. And, and I think that's where the, we're asking for your help to get that message out there around just what a difference that drives and motors can make for our planet is really what this is about more than anything. So thanks for all that joined today. Um, thanks, uh, Prakash and Paul, for, for your time on the call. Really appreciate it. Really good insight. All right, great. Well, I think we're just about at a wrap. Final reminders, um, if you're interested in spending some one-on-one time with one of our speakers, send a, um, send your email to, uh, to Tracy, uh, Tracy Long, via direct chat. and. Uh, you'll also receive some follow-up information by email as well. Um, finally, on behalf of ABB and our speakers, Martin, Prakash, Paul, and Jesse, I want to really thank you all for joining us in this energy efficiency conversation. Personally, it's very meaningful for me because I was uh, in grad school back in the late 80s studying solar energy when oil was, I think, uh, $12 a barrel. And it was, it was hard to get anybody's attention, but it's good to see these uh, important conversations finally gathering more momentum uh, that I think we've all been preaching for many years. We also hope this discussion for all of you on the editorial side, you will see value in becoming part of the energy efficiency movement and encourage your readers and followers to do the same. By investing in a higher, higher efficiency solutions available in the market, we can each make a positive change on climate change today. We hope you're able to take something away from our roundtable discussion of energy efficiency, the invisible climate solution. For more information on how you can be a part of the solution, visit energyefficiencymovement.com. And remember to stay tuned for more ABB Solutions podcasts with me, Mike Murphy. Thanks and have a great rest of your day.